how many of you love Pastor Pete? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, I, I just want to say that, you know, we love him. We love him and Nellie and the, the whole family. But, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's been such a beautiful, you know, blessing to our church. And to me, it's an example to me. Because if I was in dialysis for 15 15 months, I would have told God, check me out you know, on the, maybe in the first six months, you know. Just say, I'm, I'm ready to go. Not him. He says, I'm going to put my boots on. I'm going to fight the devil. I'm going to disciple more men. I'm going to start more Bible studies. Don't treat me like a sick man. He says, I, I want to go my, with my boots on. Amen. And I'm telling you that the way things are going, he may not even ever die. He may just go in the rapture, amen, because he cheated death. I was, I don't know how many times, amen, praise God. But, but God says, if God is for me, then who can be against me? For great is he that is in him, that he that is in the world. His kids are here. Give Pastor Peter another good hand of praise, amen. Go ahead and be seated tonight, amen. Amen. That was a good message your brother Joseph gave. Amen. That was a real good message. It goes to our Bible study. And uh, end of this month, April, we're launching them out to the city of Glendale to start another life group. But I tell the guys that I'm sending out, before you go, you got to bring me some more fish. Because I got to keep on discipling couples and people, you know, so we can expand. Because by the end of the year, we, I think we want to have 70 Bible studies. And if we're not doing our job as life group leaders... Amen. Then we're never going to hit that hit, hit, hit that uh, that that mark. Amen. So I told Joseph, you got to bring me some more guys, brother. You know, and you got the end of the month. You know, bring me at least three more couples or or, or single people that want to learn and grow in the things of God. Amen. Well, tonight uh, I, I want to share a, a message. It's called Life in the Life Group. Life in the Life Group. That's why we call it Life Groups. Amen. Because there's life in there. And if you have your Bibles, open them up to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 20. Acts, chapter 20, verse 20. When you have it, say it loud, amen. When you have it, say it loud, amen. The word of God reads, how I kept nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. Father, we love you tonight. We give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to move all over this place. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say amen. You see, God has used life groups of men and women to change the world. I'm going to say it again. God has used life groups of men and women to change the world, and we just read that in the book of Acts. Paul was going from house to house. And he was teaching, discipling, and training men and women to go out of that house after a certain amount of training. And what were they doing? They were expanding the gospel. You see, when a, when a life group is centered on a purpose and led by a focused leader, there was no greater tool for spiritual growth than that of a life group. You know, so in life groups, you know, we don't gather there just to hang out, have the coffee and donuts like I shared last time. But it's a place where you can go, and if you're really serious about getting into a life group, you're going to go, and your, your heart's going to be hungry for the things of God. Can you hear an amen? You see, Paul was teaching things 
that were very beneficial to those that were under his leadership. And the Bible says that wherever he went, his life was an example for disciples and new believers to follow. His life was so awesome that, you know, uh, people wanted to be like him. But at the same time, just like there is today, there are many that don't attend life groups. There are many even here tonight that don't attend a life group. And because of that, the devil has you isolated. He has you in a corner somewhere, and he's keeping you away from brothers and sisters in Christ that can give you that spiritual support. Can you hear any men? And so what are you doing? You're struggling. You're trying to fight this battle on your own, this spiritual battle. You're trying to fight it on your own. You're trying to make it. But at the same time, you want to give up and throw in the towel. Because the devil has you isolated. You know, we, you know I, what I do every, every service, I have a stack of uh, life group uh, Bible study flyers. And at, at the end of the service, I'm out there and I'm doing some fishing. I, you know, I'm, I'm recognizing new people. And even people that are old in the Lord, you know they're not going to a life group. I'm trying to catch them. And I, and I give them a flyer. I go, look at Pastor Pete. You know, I have a life group at my house every Tuesday night. Come and learn. And then I, I say, can I have your name and number? But I call you every Monday evening just to invite you, to remind you. And so every Monday, I'm on my, on my phone calling everybody, reminding them or leaving them a text message. Don't forget, life group at my house. And so, you know, I do that because I, I know how the devil is. The devil, if he can isolate you once and for all, and he'll, he'll make you think that you're doing great on your own. He'll make you think, well, you go to Sunday morning service and Pastor Augie got you all fired up. But how long does that last? Huh? And so I know what it's like. So my job is to, to go out there and get you and try to hook you into a life group. And so don't try to, to uh, battle this battle on your own. Don't think that, you know, you know a few scriptures and you come on Sunday morning, Friday night, and I'm okay. Uh, there's three ingredients that I want to talk about in the life group, and there's many. But I, I chose these three because these are real vital. The first ingredient I want to talk about is the upward focus. Talking about knowing God through worship and prayer. You see, when, when other believers are lifting up their voices to the throne room of God, God is glorified and his body is energized in such an atmosphere that transformation takes place. Can you imagine that if this whole church right here would just lock into worship? When the worship team is singing and ministering a song and everybody would just lock in and focus on the throne of God and during worship, man, we would experience the Shekinah glory like never before. I've been, in the, I've been under the Shekinah glory where I, would, I became broken because the whole body of Christ where I was at, they were so locked in worship. You know, sometimes we come and we think we're worshiping, but we're not. We might lift up our hands and we might say the words, but really we're thinking about what am I going to eat after I get out of here? Man, I got to get to Costco before the sale's up. 
Mom's making lunch, and if I don't get there on time, it's going to be gone. You're up there wor- think you're worshiping, but, man, when's this pastor how you going to end? I heard he's a long-winded preacher. We need to learn how to lock in when it's time to worship. Can I hear any man? So you know what I did? I, uh, where's Brother Josh? Brother Josh, I booked him for this week to come to my house and give us a, a, a Bible study on what worship is all about. And I told him, teach us how we benefit out of worship. See, we don't want to come here just to sing pretty songs and, you know, hear Rachel and the, and the choir sing, like sound like angels. You know, we want to come here and we want to lock in to the very presence of God. Can you hear any man? We want to leave this place transformed by the power of God. You see, worship, we learned this in Bible study. Worship opens the way for everything else to happen. Worship clears the air. It takes the victory away from the devil. And we learned this in our life group. Never hide from worship. Worship is a movement of the soul. It goes, worship is is a movement of the soul towards God. I'm going to say it again. But this, I, I read this in one of my commentaries, and I loved it. Worship is the movement of the soul towards God. But you have to lock into worship. You have to lock in deep. You know, not think about nothing else but worshiping the living God. That's true worship. Amen. Jesus said that, that man, they desire true worshipers. The Samaritans, that you know, they go to certain mountains, and they think that's the place to be. But Jesus said, no, you don't have to go to a certain mountain. Worship comes from the depths of the heart. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21 and 22, God gave a battle plan to the nation of Israel. And the battle plan was a worship plan. The Bible says that Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord. True victory. There is victory in true worship when it comes from the center of the heart. When, when worship comes from the center of your heart and you're focused on God, listen, chains are broken. Healings take place. You know, spiritual breakthroughs spring forth. But you have to be locked in and focused on worship. You know, nothing else could be in a way. Don't let nothing interrupt your worship time. You know, even when somebody taps you in, yeah, they don't want to get your attention, hey, I'm worshiping right now. Ever experienced that? You know, my grandkids live with me. My little ones are two and three years old. And they know when I'm worshiping the Lord in my room. They know when I'm having prayer time with my little uh, granddaughter. Uh, um, boy, I got five kids. What is it? <laughs> Nally Rose. Her name's Nally Rose. Yeah, Nally Rose, she looks, she'll look at me, she goes, she goes, Grandpa, are you praying? I go, yes, and then she'll leave. But she knows. I trained her. Don't bother me when I'm worshiping and praising to my God. Because I don't want to lose concentration. Because how many know it's so easy? Even right here, it's so easy to lose concentration on God. So we have to learn how to lock in so that those chains can be broken, the healings take place, and spiritual breakthroughs bring forth. 
Ingredient number two is the inward focus, knowing each other through fellowship. And in our life group, that's what we do. You know, uh, everybody does it different, but all I have is coffee, pan dulce, or donuts. I'm not that kind of guy to make a, a, a seven-course meal. Because I want the people to come, not for that. I want the people to come for the Word of God. And right now, Brother Joseph, in our Bible study, we're, we're, we're training them, we're discipling them. And so most of the time, he's been doing all the teaching. But I want them to get into the habit of, of going home and study, pray, you know, don't just shoot from the hip, you know, because people can sense that. So, I, you know, God's been using him in our life group, and he's been learning how to come in with some heavy-duty messages. You know, when you go home, and, man, you go home with a nugget. You're not going home with your, your tummy filled up, full, full of spaghetti or, or ravioli or something. No, he's giving you some stuff that makes you think, and, you know, we, we talk about it. And so, but there's great fellowship there. There's great fellowship. We talk to each other. And you know what I learned about fellowship? Is that we can encourage each other. Like the time that I was in a hospital and I went flatline and all that, and I finally came home and we restarted our Bible study again. It was such a blessing to know that all the people there that were there before, they waited till I got back. They didn't go nowhere else. They waited till I got back, and, and they all came in, and, man, they've been encouraging me and praying for me and lifting me up and letting me know that everything's going to be okay, and uh, uh, they're willing to, to run with the baton. If anything ever happens again, they're ready to run with it. And so that's a blessing. You know, we learn how to fellowship with each other when our vertical fellowship with God is right on. When we learn how to fellowship with God, when we learn how to communicate with God and, and love God, you know what? Then you could do that with your brothers and sisters down here. But if you don't have a fellowship with God, you, you don't take time or try to build it up, you're going to have a hard time fellowshipping with others. Can you hear any man? You know, and then you're going to think nobody likes you, but it's just that you don't know how to fellowship. You got to learn how to fellowship with God first. See, fellowship among believers based on apostolic teaching, was a feature of the early church. Christian fellowship indicates the intimate relationship that believers have with Christ and with one another. That's heavy. Huh? So every morning I get up, I, I get into my word, and, and you know, I, I, this yesterday me and my wife were reading a devotion that we get a little book from Charles Stanley. And, and he was talking about, you know, uh, Change my heart, give me a heart of flesh, and you know, powerful, powerful devotion. I told my wife, This is what I want. This is what I want. This is how I want to be. This is how I, how I want my life to be. And man, it was such an awesome devotion, and uh, we were sharing with each other. And I told her, You know what? I think I'm going to teach this in a Bible study because this is talking about having a fellowship with God. Amen. In Hebrews 10 25, the word of God reads out of the Amplified Version. Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people. But admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. Listen, how many know that Jesus is going to come soon? But in the meantime, in the life groups, we need to encourage each other. 
to stay focused on Christ, to stay strong in the Lord. You know, like I always tell the guys I'm working with, how's your prayer life? You know, how's your devotional time with God? You know, make sure that you, I, I tell Joseph, make sure that you spend time in the Word, that you study the Word of God. You know, uh, you know so I encourage and, and, and I uplift and I work with other couples in the church and in, in our life group. And I keep them after everybody goes. Some of them need to be a little private. So when everybody's gone, then I, I, I talk to them. I talk about how's your marriage? How are you treating each other? You know, God has a plan for your life. And, you know, uh, I, I, I give them things to do. So every week, every week we meet, they let me know what they're doing. But fellowship is good. I said fellowship is good. In the life group, it should be a time of encouraging, not a time to gossip. Huh? It's not a time to gossip. It's a time to encourage, Paul said. You know, even Paul said in, in the, uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, he was talking about how they met from house to house to break bread for prayer and to fellowship. So if you're a gossiper, you know, we'll pray for you. But, you know, we, we don't like gossiping. Amen? It's all about lifting each other up. You know, lifting each other up. And the last ingredient that I want to talk about is the outward focus. Reaching out to those who do not know Jesus through life group evangelism. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, out of the modern English Bible, the word of God reads, the harvest is great enough. That's Jesus. Jesus is telling one of his disciples the harvest is great enough. He remarked to his disciples, but the reapers are few. The reapers are few, the ones that gather. The ones that do the gathering, there's just a, not even a handful, he says. So he says, so you must pray to the Lord of the harvest and send men out to bring them in. And that's another thing that we learn in our life groups. You know, we learn how to go evangelize. Right now, we're getting ready as the weather clears up a little bit more. We're getting our flyers ready. And I told Joseph, you're going to be the lead man. And, and you're going to learn, you know, we're going to learn how to go out to the streets and, and do what the, the Jehovah Witnesses do. Huh? And then the following week, we'll be like the Mormons on our bicycles. Huh? And then, then third week will be VO. We just go attacking everybody. Huh? Letting them know that Jesus is coming soon. You know, because in our life groups, they should be lighthouses. People should know because you know what? Well, you know what, what's strange is that, that people, no matter what religion they are, if they know you're a, a true Christian, they'll come and ask you for help. And they should know that our, our, our life groups are lighthouses in the community. That's why worship is so important. You know, we have Brother John Sines, and I thank God for him. He goes to our life group, and I say, okay, you're not going to sing oldies on Tuesday. You're going to sing worship. Uh, you're going to sing You're going to sing worship. And he leads us in worship. Tuesday, he wasn't there. Something happened to his car, but I led the worship, and we were doing Father Abraham. Huh? And I had brother, I had sister, uh, uh, I had one of the sisters with us, Angela. I, you know, she did six years in a home. And I said, you're going to come and help me lead 
Father Abraham. And we were doing Father Abraham, had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. And, man, we, we had a powerful time. And so, you know, I, 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 can't, I, I mean, we live in an apartment building, and I'm sure the apartment people are like, there they go again. But pretty soon they'll be in my house worshiping the living God. Can you hear them in? So life groups, they play a vital part in our ministry. You know, it's an important tool in our ministry. You see that? I shared this last time. A lot of people won't come to church right away. But invite them to a life group, they'll come. They'll come and visit. You see, we learn to evangelize our communities. We learn to reach the lost and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus always reminded the believers. He said, remember that the lost can spend eternity in hell or in heaven. Our neighbors that don't go to church, there's only two places, there's only one place for them. It's hell or heaven. And says that many can be saved if someone presents the gospel to them. Tonight, do you have a burden? Tonight, do you have a burden for the lost? I was telling my wife the other day, uh, I think we we're coming from dialysis. And I told her, you know what, Nellie? Meaning we got to get back to the streets. I don't want to lose that burden. I don't want to lose that love for souls. You know, everybody's complaining about the hipsters that are moving into Highland Park and they're changing the, the culture. So what? Big deal. They're lost too. Just because they're hipsters and they're changing the culture doesn't mean they're saved. Doesn't mean their life is all that. So I told my wife, me and you, you know, uh, during the week, we should let her job go to help me out in the house and help me get to dialysis. Uh, I said, we need to get in the car. You know, you drive us to a spot. We'll get off and walk a little bit and, and start inviting people to our, our, our Bible study. Invite them to church. They're probably waiting for us. See, every life group should be evangelizing their community. Every life group leader, you know, should never lose the burden for souls. Can you hear the men tonight? You know, tonight we talked, as the worship team comes up, you know, tonight we, we talked about the importance of the life group ministry. But what's stopping many of you from attending a life group tonight? What's stopping you? What's holding you back from attending a life group tonight? You don't have to fight this spiritual battle on your own. There's brothers and sisters in those life groups that, Man, they, they want to embrace you. They want to love you. They want you to know that, look, it's going to be all right. We got your back. Don't let the devil isolate you in some corner. Telling you, oh, you'll be okay. You'll be all right. I know that when I first got saved, like almost 34 years ago, I wanted to go to a life group, but, you know, excuses always came up. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. I'll go next week. Sound familiar? I'll go next week. And what you said you had to do that was so important, you didn't even do it. So I finally motivated myself to get to a life group. And once I got there, I felt the peace of God. 
I felt the peace and the love of God like never before. And people embraced me. They hugged me. You know, my, my, my life group leader at that time was Pastor Charlie Moreno from the Mother Church. And he, he took me under his wing for three years. And there he introduced me to uh, uh, Brother Tomas Espinosa, David Diaz. And they started to work with me. And they started to instill in me. And they started to believe in me. And, man, three years later, I found myself in Highland Park uh, running a, a life group. So I've been teaching life groups since 1987. And I haven't stopped. And you know what? I'm still growing. I'm still learning new things. So life group is embedded in me. I know that once I disconnect myself, when I was in the hospital and I came out of the coma, you know, that I wanted to get to my life group ASAP. I even checked myself out. I was in my wheelchair and I said, I'm going home. You can't go home, Mr. Reese. I got a life group to lead. There's people waiting for me. And my wife, she didn't say nothing. You know, she didn't say nothing. She just said, let's go. And then I got a hold of Joseph. Hey, Joseph, where's everybody at? They're waiting for you. You know, so, man, I, I, I said, uh, first of February, we're going to start the life group. And we started it. And now we get up to 18, 20 people. And, and I always pray, God, bring me people that are hungry, thirsty. They want you. They want to put their hands to the plow. Life group ministry, this is men in the home, women in the home. Don't think that after you graduate and get out that you're okay. As soon as you get out of the home, get involved in a life group. Don't give yourself permission to, well, let me rest for three months. It takes one day for the devil to slap you up the side of your head. And you'll be dizzy for the rest of the year. So as soon as you leave the home, graduate from the home, man, plug into a life group. They play an important part in our ministry. We've been having life groups since, man, 82, 83. And out of those life groups, many of the, many of the men there have gone out to pastor countries and cities. That's where I came out of. And I started in uh, San Gabriel. From there, we went to Chicago, Illinois, until I got sick. But God used us out of a life group. You know, that's where, you, that's where your skills kick in. You learn how to minister to people. You learn how to take a city. You know, you learn how you learn how to spend time with God. And so, um, life groups are very important. And if you're sitting here tonight and you don't go to a life group, I challenge you to go to a life group. Like Pastor Augie gives a 90-day challenge. I give you 90 days. If God hasn't made a change in your life in a life group, uh, I give you 90 days. Go to a life group.